It's Monday at 4.30, and you are listening to The Scoop, and this is Everyday City. Today I'm talking to Debbie Miller, the City's Manager of Communications and Public Engagement. Let's get started. Hi, CFRC 101.9 FM listeners. Welcome to Everyday City, a show about urban planning, about policy, and our collective role in shaping the city we want to live in. Today, I'd like to introduce you to my show. Here's the premise. Our city is shaped by policy and plans. This underlayer or embedded structure is built into all the decisions made about our city on our behalf. This is the thing though. Are all decisions made on our behalf? What if I don't agree? What if my opinion is not represented in those decisions? That's what I want to talk about. My goal of the show is to decode the municipal planning process. I want to find out what is happening in our city. Why should we care and how can we change it? My name is Meg Harrod and I moved to Kingston in September. I'm an urban planner and I relocated here from Vancouver. So what is planning and why do we do it? In theory, it's all about how we move around, how we live, where we shop, what services we have access to, our schools, our healthcare, our parks. It's how we experience our city every day and how we will experience it in five, 10, 50 years from now. Let's take chickens as an example. So there's a policy in Kingston that says you can keep up to six chickens in your backyard. Pretty soon after you get your chickens, you need a coop. You go through the city, you get a permit, and you build. Pretty soon after that, you fell completely in love with chicken rearing. You decide you want to go all in and start a chicken farm. Darn, you live in a residential neighborhood. It's not zoned for farming. Sidebar, zoning. This is the meat. This is the only tool planners really have to control where things are and where things are not. Zoning is single-handedly the most boring, but also the most outrageous thing to ever exist, I'm convinced. Something so seemingly innocuous has its roots entrenched deep into systemic racism. Historically, it was used as a tool to keep some people out and others in, to locate some people near a garbage dump and others on the tip-top of a mountain looking down on all the rest. Now, there are also some perfectly legitimate and good reasons for zoning, but I'll get into that. Back to chickens. So you're in a residential zone, not an agricultural one. Here are your options. You could go through a lengthy process of applying to rezone, that means changing your residential zoning, to a zoning that allows chicken farming. Or you could move. You decide to go for it. First step, public consultation. Your neighbors are very engaged. This is an issue they care about. They come out to a public meeting in hordes with a sign saying, we don't want your chicken poop in our backyard. Hmm, they didn't go for the rezone because, well, chicken poop. Project Chicken Farm is over. A perfectly legitimate reason for zoning. So here you interface with planning in multiple ways. The ability to have chickens, A, getting a permit, B, zoning, C, trying to rezone, D, public consultation, E. 
I'll try another example. This one is bigger in scale and somewhat more significant. You own property on Princess Street and you go through the planning process, i.e. rezoning, and congratulations, the planning department approved your condo tower. All your permits are in and your building is almost there. You are responsible for a hundred new people moving downtown, cut. Well, you are not responsible, but the city is. Scene change. Switch from the perspective of the property owner to the planner. How will you provide for a hundred new residents downtown? Well, first there is the issue of plumbing and utilities, but what about grocery stores? What kind of pressure will there be on existing amenities and services, libraries, schools, parks, bus routes, the list goes on. Now all that to say, planning is the small permit for your chickens, but it is also the big picture of how we live. The plans, policies, bylaws, zones that have an impact on our everyday lives. They are not static and finished, but constantly evolving and changing as our cities change and grow. So how do you get to be part of that change? Not only is it your responsibility as a citizen, if you so choose, but it is also the city's legal obligation to ask you your opinion on things. I sat down with Debbie Miller City of Kingston's Manager of Communications and Engagement about the best way to get involved. Here's what she said. Debbie, what does your job look like on a daily basis? Thank you, Megan. I work with a team of 10 communications officers and we advise corporately on communications and public engagement. So from a consistency perspective, so it's involved, we get involved with um, issues management, development of proactive communication plans, development of engagement plans, um, writing surveys, developing um, plans and collateral materials for how we inform the public about communications and public engagement or around a project specifically. So there's lots of different areas that we, um, we are involved in. Um, and, and supporting each department across the organization. So you're working on, on a lot of different issues at all times, it sounds there like. Are, there's a lot of different projects, policies, and initiatives that we are involved in at all times. And, and the team is, is working with multiple, multiple areas on multiple topics. So we have, uh, we have a lot of hats we wear. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like. So how would you define civic engagement to someone who may never have heard of the concept before. Absolutely. So the definition that we as a city use um, in the public engagement framework, which was developed in 2017, is the process by which residents are informed on or given the opportunity to be involved in city decisions that impact all or part of the community. So in 2017, we worked with residents, council and staff, to develop the public engagement framework, which are which is our basically our policy document that guides a consistent approach to public engagement in the organization. We went out with this document and we had four different iterations of it that we went out with for people to review and provide input on. Okay, so this is um, like a guiding document that's actually approved by council that says city staff 
you know, must engage on important issues? It is, and it, it walks through the roles for the residents' role, council's role, and staff's role. It talks about the key principles within engagement. Um, it talks about expectations. So there's, um, and then it talks about the five um, stages of planning for public engagement as well. So defining your project, uh, determining the level of engagement, implementing the engagement, um, providing the recommendations for the decisions and sharing the results and then evaluating the process. So those are all definitely really key pieces of the framework. So Debbie is bringing up something really interesting here. There's a document that actually stipulates what the responsibility is of our government to talk to us when it matters. I checked out the document on the City of Kingston's webpage. It's an entire document dedicated to the best practices for city engagement. There was a phrase that I found in the document that really struck me. Open government. What is open government? So I looked it up. Open government is an initiative to make it so that we as citizens have access to our government in a more transparent and accessible way. Whether that be accessing data, being able to participate and attend council meetings where decisions made, and being part of those decisions through public engagement. Back to my conversation with Debbie. How would you say a Kingston resident can actually shape those policies and plans and projects that the, that the document outlines? Mm. So residents can um, become involved in a project. When a project launches, we share a news release. Um, when something goes onto the Get Involved Kingston site, which is our online platform to receive input. Um, they can find out about it there. You can register for that platform and then you'll receive notifications anytime there's a new project added. Um, and you can provide, you know, when we go back to in-person, currently we're not doing in-person engagement, but we have during COVID transitioned to doing virtual engagement. So instead of in-person sessions where you would come to an open house or a small focus group, we're having sessions online so you can register through Zoom to participate in the session. You could also watch it virtually on social media because they're live streamed and they're also live recorded. So we will then post them to our YouTube channel following so you can also catch it later if the timing didn't work for you. So those are a couple of ways you can do that currently. You can also speak to the project team so that on the Get Involved site or on the project page on the website, you can always see the project team's name, contact information, email and phone um, are both there. So you can follow up with them as well to provide input on a project. I'm going to break this down because this is where we as citizens interface with the city. Debbie's explained all the ways we can get involved and how we can sign up with the city to find out about ongoing projects. So as Debbie's advised, Say we use the online platform to submit our ideas, our frustrations, our input. Where do they go from here? When we use the online tool, um, once the, if it's a survey that's open, um, once it closes for input, then the report goes to the project. What they do is they receive all of the input, they compile it, review it, analyze it, and then they would provide a recommendation um, depending on what it is, it could go to committee, it could go to council, or if there's something where the decision was, you know, at a different level, um, that decision would be made. And then we would also be sharing that 
um, with the public as well. So oftentimes the, the reporting back is in the form of a report. Um, so you can read the report and listen to the committee or council meeting to hear more about it. We greatly appreciate the amount of time and effort that people put into providing feedback into projects, policies, and initiatives for sure. For many of us, some of the changes we hope to see in our city are maybe small changes, but they make a big difference in our everyday life. For example, it might be a new bus stop on a, on a specific street, uh, a cleanup, uh, road improvements, childcare options, etc. But how do we see these smaller actions and know that the city is, is doing something, or, or at least that the city cares? Um, you know, when they might not be at that level of detail in, you know, like a long-term plan or, or sort of a strategic level plan. Um, yet these are really important to how we as residents sort of navigate and move around our city. For sure. So when the strategic priorities of this term of council were established, we did um, ask for input from the public. Um, they can also always provide feedback to council um, through through their counselors. Um, and we did develop, as council developed their strategic priorities, that input was, was considered into those areas. So the strategic priorities are set for the term of council, um, and then they would go through, and sometimes within those, there's different projects. There's also, um, Sometimes in a survey, potentially about a citywide initiative, we'll receive input information that's specific about a neighborhood or something, just depending on what it is. But when you look at the description of the project, it's just looking at what the project is receiving input on really helps to show or also be able to provide the input that's needed. So page, so if we're receiving input on um, a park, and we're receiving input on the type of playground structure within a park. Um, it's, it's really important to look at what the scope of the engagement is for so that um, it's not talking about the roads around the park or it's not talking about a trail that's connecting to the park. It's specifically about the playground. So when an engagement program is going on, it's about an issue. Debbie used the example of a playground structure in a park. The city is looking for input specifically on that issue. If you don't care about the playground at all, but you really want to talk about the soccer field, that's totally fine, but it might not be part of this particular discussion. I think this is where it can get frustrating to submit input to the city. Because you're talking about two different things here and they both matter. On the flip side, it's also frustrating for the city because maybe they don't have the approval or the budget to work on the soccer field right now. As a result, your comment might be on the sidelines. It doesn't mean that they don't care, but there's definitely a disconnect here. As Debbie already explained to us, your comment does become part of the story. It's included in the report to council and is part of the city's record, but it doesn't mean they're able to get to it right now. So if the city isn't necessarily engaging at this time on, you know, the roads around the park, but there's a huge pothole and you want to be able to have the city to know that that pothole exists, where then would you sort of submit that kind of feedback? Would that be like to your counselor? Sure. So you can always contact the contact center. So contact us 
and that number is on our website as well. So you can contact them through an electronic method or through the phone and you could submit that. Um, they'll ask for some specific details about the location of it. Um, so you can provide the road that it's on or if there's an intersection or something like that. And then they'll submit a service request um, that will then be processed to the department. Yes, if there was something specific that you were looking for, um, it could be related to um, um, a pothole or it could be related to waste pickup or it could be related to a light out somewhere like a street light or something like that, you can absolutely go through that method. If it's looking, if you're looking to provide input on a project policy or initiative that's up for consultation, then absolutely by all means using the Get Involved site or connecting with the project team. Okay, that's awesome. I also saw on your website you had sort of an ideas section, which was which was kind of neat, which was yes. that you could just share your ideas. Yes. Um, would you be able to talk more about about that process? Absolutely. So the ideas tool is available there. It's always open. So if you have ideas that you think the city needs to consider, submit them through there. And then we process them and share them with staff. Or if it's a partner that would be involved in it, um, one of our many partner agencies, we would share it with them as well um, to have a look at. There's definitely some, some projects or some ideas that have been shared on there that were in the works and it's it's really nice to be able to let somebody know that this project is underway or oh that would be a great addition to something else so it's always nice to hear from people when they have ideas about our city great it's it's nice to see that there's so many different outlets for sharing um your feedback or ideas or opinions Absolutely. So my last question for you, Debbie, is what is your dream? So on a personal level, what is your ambitions or goals or dreams for an engaged Kingston? Absolutely. A city where we are accessible to everybody and everybody in the city is informed and aware of different opportunities to engage and are able to participate um, if they want to participate in a project. So that to me is a really exciting opportunity and that's what I think about. I think about our online site, our Get Involved site, and we've been online with that tool since 2016 in the fall um, and we're now getting close to 10,000 activated participants, so people that participate or are signed up to participate on the site. So um, we started at nobody being signed up and we're now getting close to 10,000 participants. So. Oh, well, congratulations. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. So that was an interview with City's Manager of Communications and Public Engagement, Debbie Miller. Thank you, Debbie, so much for your insight. Debbie wanted me to share that you can follow the City on social media, sign up for their newsletter, and sign up to receive news releases. These are all ways to find out what's going on in the City. You can also check out Get Involved Kingston, which is a great way to see what's going on and what's happened in the recent history of the city. Since my conversation with Debbie just over a week ago, the Get Involved Kingston site has now topped 10,000 people signed up. That's 10,000 digitally engaged citizens. So Debbie provided a lot to think about. There are many different ways to get engaged. She's also shared why it's important to get engaged. The more people who share their opinion, the better the decisions will be for all of us. For example, if the only people who participate in a project about a new development are homeowners paying property tax, 
How do you ensure the voice of renters are included, or folks in subsidized housing? It's about getting your voice in there so that it can be heard. The other thing is that COVID has dramatically changed how we engage. So as Debbie mentioned, the city of Kingston has switched to online engagement. It used to be that to attend a public open house about an issue, you needed to show up at a certain time and hour to participate. What if that time coincided with feeding dinner to your kids? Now the city has gotten way better at online participation. It's all online. Meaning if you were a night owl, you can virtually participate at 2 a.m. I wonder how this will change how the city engages with us for many years to come. One more thing that Debbie brought up that I want to explain. What's the difference between committee and council in terms of who makes our decisions? I'm sure you won't be surprised, but there's a policy for explaining this. There's council, our elected officials by district. We have 13 elected members in Kingston, which is our mayor and 12 councillors. Then we have committees of council, which are established to govern on particular issues. So council members are appointed by council to sit on a particular committee to focus in on different policies. We also have committees made of councillors and citizens that you can apply to be on and help advise on decision making. It's a lot. But it is really there to help make the best decisions possible. While on the subject of city council, our council meets every third Tuesday of the month. The next one is coming up on December 15th. These meetings are live streamed, or you can follow them on Twitter to keep up to date on any city decisions. That's my show for today. I hope you learned a little bit about planning or had your curiosity peaked for a moment or two. Join me next time on Everyday City. I'll be diving into issues that are going on in our city and trying to provide diverse perspectives on these issues. If you go to getinvolved.cityofkingston.ca, you will see that the city is seeking feedback on the community cleanup initiatives, the accessibility of public transit as part of a multi-year accessibility plan, a multi-use pathway that connects to the KMP Trail on the south side of Cataraki Woods Drive. You can also check out the ideas page and submit any of your wildest and craziest dreams for the city, or like or comment on other people's ideas. Here's a few from your neighbors. Offer bus service to Lemoyne Point and other conservation areas. Install bat houses in local parks. Create local food hubs throughout the city. Look into no car days. There are many more ideas up there to peruse when you have time. The city is engaging at all scales, from street to neighborhood to citywide at all times. Thanks for listening. My name is Meg Harrod, and that was Everyday City, my first show talking about planning on air on CFRC 101.9 FM. I'd like to thank Debbie Miller for the interview this week and Dylan Rollick for the original music you heard on the show today. Talk to you soon.
Here's your weekly traffic report for the week of December 5th to December 12th, brought to you by CFRC in the city of Kingston. As part of the Love Kingston Marketplace project, some vehicle travel lanes and parking spaces downtown have been repurposed to create additional physical distancing space for pedestrians and for businesses. These are Clarence Street, where on-street parking has been repurposed to accommodate a lane shift, and Market Street, where the road is closed to vehicles. On-street parking is also unavailable. Road closures are in place this week on Innovation Drive, John Marks to Innovation, closed until December 11th to allow installation of a new water lateral. Nelson Street, Princess to Mac, closed 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. on December 9th to accommodate a crane hoist. Seabrook Road, east of Highway 15, closed 10 p.m. on December 4th until 7 p.m. on December 6th and again from December 7th to 11th to accommodate a culvert replacement. Sydenham Street, Queen to Princess, closed 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. on December 10th and 17th for night hours programming. Victoria Street, Princess to Durham, closed 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. on December 9th to accommodate a crane hoist. Whitechurch Road north of Woodburn closed 10 p.m. on December 4th until 7 p.m. on December 6th and again from December 7th to 11th to accommodate a culvert replacement. On December 7th, the entrance to the Kingston Dock will be moved to the intersection of Queen and Ontario Streets. The Ministry of Transportation asks motorists to follow the direction of dock attendants while navigating the new marshalling area. Expect short delays on LaSalle Causeway starting 6 p.m. on December 11th until 6 a.m. on December 12th due to work by Public Services and Procurement Canada. Albert Street at Princess expect delays to a lane closure 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. daily, December 7th to 11th, to allow installation of a storm sewer. Flaggers will be on site. Glengarry, Portsmouth to Indian, expect short delays and a possible lane closure. Grenadier Drive at Whitfield Crescent, expect delays while construction takes place around the Kingston East Community Center site. Flag people will be on site to direct traffic. Highway 33 east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard expect delays due to construction to improve drainage. Construction barrels and flag people will direct traffic around the work zone. Highway 15 north of Sand Hill expect to experience delays due to lane closures until November 1st, 2021 as crews replace a culvert. Please follow the direction of flaggers. Jackson Mills Road, near the KMP Trail, reduced to one lane for roadside safety improvements but remains open in both directions. John Counter Boulevard, Princess to Indian, expect delays until the summer of 2021 while, stru- while crews construct a new four-lane road and rail overpass. Princess Street, Collins Bay Road to Baxter, reduced to one lane in either direction, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily from December 7th to 11th to accommodate the widening of Princess Street and construction of turn lanes onto Creekside Valley Drive. Please observe the direction of flaggers and note that traffic may be rerouted onto Westbrook and Woodbine Roads during this time. Seabrook Road, east of Highway 15, expect delays starting November 30th as crews work to accommodate a culvert replacement. Whitechurch Road, north of Woodburn, expect delays starting November 30th as crews also work to accommodate a culvert replacement. And that's it for your weekly traffic report. For traffic and other news updates, visit cfrc.ca news. Have a great week, everybody.